Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul, he's right into the church at Corinth. Now, some people don't know the history of the church there, but they were in the metropolis in Corinth. What was a real hub of commerce. There was a lot of coming and going of wealth. Paul said that they were actually quite wealthy. They were the well-to-dos of the day. Corinth had a reputation in the ancient world of being the Las Vegas, Sin City. And God sent his gospel to this place. In the Bible, we read about in the book of Acts that Paul actually spent a year and a half in Corinth on his second missionary journey. He had been being beaten up. He got stoned to death. They threw rocks at him, killed him, threw him over the wall of the city. They were so kind. They threw him into the rubbish heap outside the city. They're just like, this guy is such a plague. Stoned him to death. And then such a burial, right? Wouldn't this be a nice way to go? Don't even give him proper burial. They threw him over the wall into the trash pile. He's dead. And you know what the Lord did? Get up, Paul. We're not done. And the Lord brought him back to life and made him go on. And he went on to this place, Corinth. I have a feeling he was a little bruised up. A few rocks to the head, gotten killed, brought back to life by the Lord, and then told, go on. And then he gets to the next place, and the Lord says, listen, you're going to be okay here. I want you to settle here and share my word, and I'm going to protect you here. I know, I read this in the book of Acts, I'm sure that for Paul, he was going, oh, that's good news. By the way, if you want to know where this is found, this is Acts 18. I'm just paraphrasing for you the details so you can get a little extra background to this. But he goes there and says that Paul, in verse 9 of Acts 18, the Lord said to him in a night vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you. And no longer will man attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there. For a year and six months, teaching the word of God amongst them. Now, this was his second missionary journey. Paul settles in Corinth for a year and six months, and he has the Lord telling him, don't worry, they're not going to harm you here. Good news if you had just gone through what he went through. And so he began to preach the gospel there, and the Lord had set up some really cool things for Paul in this whole teaching of the gospel there. Later, he will depart after a year and a half of ministering to them. Then later in the missionary journey, he'll get to Ephesus and he will write back to the church on his third missionary journey. And he's going to say, guys, I got to tell you some stuff, some really important stuff. And it's things that your faith needs, okay? Because you have all that carnal stuff around you and it's always hitting you. You ever feel like that? No matter what you try to do to seek the Lord, there's always some kind of distraction that comes your way. Always something to get in your face. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning and see what Paul says. He says to these fellows, listen guys, I know that you guys are rich and you're filled and you've become kings without us. You really have gone on and you've prospered. But I'm going to send Timothy to you because I hear there's a few problems. Not everything is running smooth in the church. Paul wrote in verse 17, for this reason I send to you Timothy, who's my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he's going to remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul doesn't say, he'll remind you of what I said. 
He says, I remind you of how I was. I was with you. You want to know how to do Jesus? Paul was the guy who said, just be an imitator of me. As I am an imitator of Christ. You don't know how to do this Jesus thing? No worries. I'll show you. This is an important thing. He taught by example, not by just talking. Paul was, do as I do, copying Jesus, so that you can get the idea of who you need to learn to copy. Because eventually, if they start copying you while you're copying the Lord, they're going to look right past over your head and go, you know, I really don't need you anymore. Because I see that all I got to do is look at him. When they get that, when you get to pass on that you're just a temporary example, to help them learn the ways of Christ. Once they learn, they start to see in the Spirit past you. And they're like, I don't even need you anymore. I'll just look right at Jesus. And you're going, good job. Now you be the example to someone else. You keep imitating Christ and show someone else how to do it. And it keeps you on the straight and narrow. It's a great thing to do. The church at Corinth, were they all following this? Were they all Spirit-filled and Spirit-led folk there in the Corinthian church, real spiritual examples of what to do? If you read ahead, you know the answer is no. They actually have quite a bit of immorality. It's like the sailors made their way into the church, but they didn't leave the sailor ways outside of the doors. But they brought them into the church, and they were practicing their fornications and their immorality in the church. To such an extent that one of the problems, Paul's going to say, it's actually been reported to me that you guys have a man who has taken his father's wife to bed. Even in the world, that's wrong. And yet you have it in the church and you're not even addressing it. But Paul, before he goes to that, he says, you guys act like this whole gospel thing, it doesn't really have any power or any effect on us. So listen to what he says. Let me read you this. It says here in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Now, I've heard that there's some of you that become arrogant. As though I'm not coming to you. And Paul answered in verse 19, But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. Does he ever get to go back to Corinth? No. He desires to. But listen to what he goes on to say. When I come to you, I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but the power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but it consists in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or shall I come to you with love and with a spirit of gentleness? Turn to the book of Acts. The power that was with Paul. While he's telling these guys, the kingdom of God is not a bunch of words. It's power. God has power. Sometimes people forget about this. Like, he's powerless. He can't do anything. Since when? Someone asked this week, are all the gifts still here? Some churches teach that some of the gifts have left. They were there for back then, but not now. And when Jesus was on there, they said the gifts got poured out after he left. And Jesus says, it's to your advantage. I go away because I'll send the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will give you the things you need. He'll lead you and he'll guide you. And he'll teach you and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I've spoken to you. And he'll give you the power to be my witnesses. We need the Spirit of God, his Holy Spirit, to give us power. Did Paul have the Holy Spirit in his life? Oh, sure. Do me a favor. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Just the next chapter after the Lord told him to stay there in Corinth for a while. 
he moves on into chapter 19. He's on his third missionary journey. He's going back, visiting the churches. He gets to this place, Ephesus. The church at Ephesus, they didn't actually have it all together to start off. You read in chapter 19, it says, Paul, he asked them, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I love their answer. No. We haven't even heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Uh, what were you baptized into? And John's baptism. And Paul says, well, yeah, John baptized with a baptism of repentance. That's good. Telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. Who is John the Baptist pointing to? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away sins of the world. Who was he pointing at? Jesus. So Paul doesn't go, what, you didn't know? He goes, oh, that's good. John baptized with the baptism of repenting. Turn from your sins. Get ready. Prepare you the way of the Lord, the one who's coming. That's Jesus. That's what I'm here to tell you. And when they heard this, listen to this. Now, Jesus baptized with another baptism. He said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost, with fire, power, to be my witnesses. So when they heard this, listen to this. They hear Paul teaching. They've been baptized into John's baptism. But as soon as they hear this, the guys at Ephesus, they said, well, we want to be baptized into Jesus. That's the power. And so Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Just by him putting his hands, praying over them. And they were in all about 12 people. 12 men. And then they entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But some became hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. And he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrenus. This took place for two years, so that all that lived in Asia both heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. This is believed to be possibly the founding of the seven churches of Asia. You know the seven letters to the seven churches? The letter to Laodicea. This is believed that this is where they got their start. When Paul started with 12 guys and laid his hands on them and prayed for them to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in Jesus. And he taught them for two years. Two years they get him on his third missionary journey. Paul is there teaching them of the power of God's Spirit. Now while he's there doing this ministry right here, this is when he wrote the book of Corinthians. And did any miracles happen with Paul? Just saw the power of God just give these guys the gift of tongues and speaking and prophecy. But then verse 11 says, And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even the handkerchiefs, oh, I love this. In the Greek, it says the sweat rags. Paul's a tent maker. He's there in Ephesus. It's a hot port area. And he's sewing his tent. He gets his hanky out, wipes the sweat off his brow, puts his hanky down, goes back to sewing, and then reaches for his hanky again and is gone. It says here that even the handkerchiefs or even the apron. He takes off his apron. I'm going to have a bite to eat. Let me take this apron off. It's hot. He comes back. His apron's gone. And you know what they were doing with these hankies and these aprons? It says right here. Look at this. They would take them to the body of anyone who was sick and had diseases. And the diseases and the evil spirits would leave the people. They're like, hey, Paul touched this. 
We got sweat DNA proof right here. I know it sounds weird, but literally the power of God was so much on this man that they thought, well, he touched it. Smells like him. Yep, that's Paul. Let's take this. All we got to do is take something he's touched and lay it on a sick person and they get well. Just think back in the, earlier in the book of Acts when Peter and John and those guys got baptized in the Holy Ghost and it says they took the sick. I love this part in the book of Acts. They took the sick and they lined them up along the street just so that Peter's shadow I can just see it. They're going, sun's over there. His shadow will be over there. Everyone on this side of the street. And all their, Peter, could you scoot over a little? Yep, that's good. And just so his shadow would touch the sick and the disease and the ones that had demons. And do you know what? Even just the shadow of Peter touching those sick people raised them from their infirmity. Paul says, I want to know, is God with you? You're so arrogant with your words, but what about the power? Because I know I have the power of God with me. In Acts 19, that happened next was, he had these guys, his seven sons of Skeva. Skeva was a priest back then. His seven boys started going out and trying to cast out demons like Paul did. And they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out of that person, to the possessed person. You know what the demons said to those fellows? They said, we know Paul. We know Jesus. Who are you? Then the demons leapt upon the guys and beat them up and stripped them and they fled for their lives, bruised and naked. Because they didn't have the power of God in them. They were like name dropping. You need to leave in the name of Paul. Well, Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Because we heard about him. He's got the power. See, they didn't have the power. You read in the next chapter, chapter 20, he goes and he preaches. And it says he went kind of long. He's prolonging his message until midnight. It says there was a boy. He was sitting on the windowsill on the third floor. Just look at Acts 20, verse 8. It says there were many lamps in this room, in the upper room where they were gathered. And Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill. This little boy was up there and he was listening to Paul. Now, I don't know if it was the CO2 from all the lamps going up, got the air a little bit hard to breathe up there, or the kid just fell into a deep sleep, but he fell out of the windowsill onto his head and he died while Paul was preaching. And Paul, being Paul, he went over to the boy, he picks him up, he falls upon him, and then embraces him, and then says, oh, don't worry, his life's still in him. And he picks up the kid and presents him back to his parents alive. And you think he'd get the hint, wow, you preached too long, Paul, it's time to stop. But no, Paul went on preaching until daybreak. Paul was not afraid to say the power of God was with him. And when Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he goes, guys, I want to know those who are talking so arrogantly, like it doesn't matter that I'm in sin. It doesn't matter if I live ungodly. I want to know... Not their words. I want to know the power. Is the power there? Now, if you had Paul saying that to you, and you knew his background, I don't know, but you'd be like, time to straighten up before Paul gets here. Paul's going to say, listen, as to this fellow has done this sin and taken his father's wife, I've already judged him as if I was there. The Bible teaches very clearly, we are not here to judge anyone 
And by the way, in this very letter, in 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to see, who's the one person we're responsible for judging? Yourself. In fact, it says don't even take communion till you first judge yourself. Call your sin what it is, sin. But in the church, you're not supposed to have the people that are living in sin and saying it's okay with God, because it's not. We don't want to call sin, sin. Might step on someone's toes. But listen, if some guy is taking his father's wife to bed and going to church and saying it's okay, do you think it reflects on the rest of the body at all? Cause any troubles for anyone else? Paul says, listen, I've judged a guy that that's not right. You need to discipline him. You need to tell him to get out of the church, break off the sin. Does the church at Corinth hear Paul's words in this matter? Do they tell the guy, hey, knock it off or get out? The answer is yes, they do. And they do such a good job, they put the guy out there like, he's dead to us. We're not talking to him at all. And the guy, it's a wake-up call to him. He repents. He repents, and Paul has to write Second Corinthians, the next letter of your Bible, just to point out, guys, you did a good job putting him out. But he repented. Now what are you supposed to do? Bring him back in. The whole purpose of discipline is to get someone in line. I could just see it. We kicked them out. We did a good job. Paul, be proud. And the guy repents. They're like, too bad. We're the righteous ones. You're not. Kicked you out. Paul's like, yeah, messed up again. And he has to write Second Corinthians to tell him, get the guy back in the fellowship. The point of discipline is to get you in line. Once you're in line, get back in and stay there. Yeah. But see, it's just part of the whole thing. Paul's like, I'm not here to tell you the words. I'm here to tell you the power. The power of God. How many of you would like to have that kind of power of God demonstrated in your life? That they would find out that you're coming and they go, put the sick people on that side of the road so that your shadow would touch them. Or that they would take anything you touched. Your coffee cup. They got your Starbucks cup. Look, it's got a lipstick. I'm sure she touched it. She got the power of God. Here, touch this cup. The thing was that he had touched it, and they knew it, and they thought, this guy has the power of God. And they were looking for that cure from God. We have a starving world that is hurting for a touch from our Maker. And some of you are the vessel that God wants to use for his touch to flow through. You've got neighbors just sitting there in pain. And God's going, I just need you to go over and touch him. Just a touch. It's okay. It's not going to hurt you. They don't got cooties. He's just going to be a vessel of my mercy to touch him. I don't know if you guys know the story about Jesus and the leper that came to him. Remember the lepers had to stay on the other side of the road and pull even their robes tight to them so that not even the edge of their robe would flap and touch some passerby, and they had to cry out. They saw someone coming, unclean, unclean, stay away from me, I have leprosy. And when Jesus has someone with leprosy come to him, he touched them. I said, be well. If you were a leper and you hadn't had any contact from anybody, and here's Jesus with a leper who hasn't been allowed to be touched by anyone. And what's he do? Touches him and says, be well. And they're made well. And I don't think they were just made well physically of the leprosy. 
I think there was a whole other part of their being that just needed that contact, that human touch. And Jesus went, let me show you what I do for those that are hurt. Paul, he laid hands on the sick. They recovered. Did God quit his job? No. He's still in the business of touching lives. And you know, the beauty is he's willing to use vessels like us to do his handiwork. Paul said, don't you know that your body is a temple for the Holy Ghost? God put his spirit in you because now you're a portable container for the spirit of God to go touch people's lives. And the power of God can touch their lives just through a simple gesture. Just through a touch. Just through a hug. That practical God loves you is real. And it can do such great things. But we have a culture that says, I don't know if those things are even around anymore. Maybe God doesn't have his power. Maybe he turned off the switch. I remind them what the scripture says in Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always the same. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. Even to the ends of the age, I am with you. I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. If he says he's never going to leave me, and he's never going to forsake me, and he says, don't worry, I go to my father's house, don't be troubled, in my father's house, many mansions, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you get to be with me also, and don't worry about it, because I'm going to send a comforter, and he's going to be with you, and who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit. Now, did Jesus say, he's only staying for a while? So only the first few guys in the church get him and then the rest, good luck. Because that's what some churches are teaching today. That the Holy Ghost was around back then for the first guys, but sorry, we're down line, we don't get any. That is a lie. The devil wants you to believe that because the devil doesn't want you to know about the power of God's Spirit. Because once you know about the power, you're going to upset the apple cart. You're going to start helping people. And the power of God might work through you. And boy, that'll mess up everybody. How many of you could stand just like Paul and say, don't worry. What I'm talking about, I don't need to tell you by words. I'll show you by the power. One thing I learned about the Lord, though, he doesn't care about our ability. He just cares about our availability. Are we willing to be used? Lord, I'm here. Send me. Use me. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Oh
And I am coming